Last week, uh, Bishop Todd came and preached, and what he said sets up what I need to say tonight. So I'm going to give you my Cliff Notes version of Bishop Todd's message, and uh, if you weren't here, this will catch you up, and if you were, hopefully it'll be a nice refresher. Uh, Bishop Todd asked this. He said, do we really believe Jesus is smart? Not just says religious things, but actually knows what he's talking about. Well, Jesus says, it is better for you that I go away. And his best friends don't get that at all. That makes no sense to them because they're feeling anxiety about Jesus leaving them. They've just followed him for three years. And they fear being abandoned. So what can Jesus possibly mean when he says, it's better for you? that I go away. And Todd said, well, Jesus answers his own question. He says, if I go, then the Holy Spirit can come to you. The Holy Spirit is the continuator. He will teach you like I have. He will comfort you like I have. And then Bishop Todd said to our confirmation students, my intention is that when I lay hands on you, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit to live out the vows you make. And he said to all of us, he said, look, I know a lot of you have come out of churches with teachings or experiences ostensibly about the Spirit that left you confused or hurting or whatever. And he said, I get it. But he said, the Holy Spirit, being Almighty God, is as grieved by being ignored as he is by excess. The answer to wrong use can never be no use. The answer to excess is mature interaction with Almighty God. The purposes of God in your life require a power suitable to those intentions. And by then, I was really feeling uh, the weight of this message, the, the wind of this message, I guess. And then he gave an invitation. He said, all of us here tonight who want to be, are invited into being filled afresh with the Spirit. He said, if you desire to be filled afresh with the Spirit, you will be. And by that point, I was itching to get out of my chair. So I invited any who would like to uh, receive from uh, the bishop uh, the laying on of hands and praying to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit to form a line. And soon the lines were way long. And Todd looked over and was like, help. So... I joined him, and I'm telling you, I felt like we had an Acts 2 moment in this church. And I was like, uh, (laughs) this week I was like, God, did you not look at the liturgical calendar? Because Pentecost is this week. (laughs) (laughs) But all of that sets me up to ask this question tonight. The Holy Spirit has come. Now what? What happens the morning after Pentecost? He came upon the followers of Jesus on Pentecost. What was next for them? The Holy Spirit, we teach, comes upon us in our baptism. What next for the believer? And for any of you who were here last week and experienced this moment where the Holy Spirit seemed truly present and coming upon us, now what? What can we expect? One of the things as a leader, 
I take this with the full sense of respect that it comes with, but one of the things as a leader that I really respect about Jesus is how well he prepares followers for transition. Think about that. He does it. He says, you know, I'm going to be suffering. And, and anyway, uh, in the case of the Holy Spirit's arrival and his departure, he prepares them really well. He talks at length about it. And he says, okay, I'm going to tell you with clarity what's going to happen after I'm gone and the Holy Spirit comes. So if you turn to your first reading there in Acts, we'll start, I think it's verse 3. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to the disciples and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. For example, we know at one point he pulled back his robe and said, you want to see where the spear went through the ribs? Right here. You can touch it even. Anyway, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, I love that in his resurrected body, he's still having meals. That's really something. He gave them this command. Here's his preparation. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised because in a few days you will be baptized or saturated in, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit, and here's why. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. So he says two things are going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. This is going to be new for you. One, you're going to receive power. Two, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. Now, Jesus is saying, look, every single one of you who follows me and all of you together, you need the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. What he's talking about here is an utterly new way of living. Most people do not live this way. And many Christians, I wish, would enter into it more fully. So it's my heart that all of us would, would do all we can to experience and live in this reality. So let me break it down. You've received the gift, but now, now you've got to live it out. It kind of reminds me of uh, when our son Andrew was born. He was born out at the old Delnor Hospital, and I pulled our... Dodge Aries, yes, a K car, up to pick up huh, our, our son and Karen. And the nurse helped Karen get into the front seat. And then she placed Andrew into a car seat, waiting for him in the back seat. And I felt this incredible feeling of, what are you doing? We have no clue. We don't have a parent license. Don't put this child here. You know? I was, we were so thrilled we'd received this wonderful gift but we had no clue what was coming next. <laughs> and I think that's where we are sometimes as disciples. We've received this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, and we're like, okay, well, now what? And Jesus tells us, and the first thing you will notice, he says, is you will receive power. What does power mean? It's very simple. You will receive the, the ability to do from God things you cannot do now without the Holy Spirit. You can't do them now, but with the Holy Spirit, you will. Now, suppose you and I want to go to the Taste of Chicago. 
Grant Park is 26 miles from here, so it's a marathon away. And um, suppose neither of us is a marathoner, so we give that up. Uh, by the way, Taste is in September now because of the NASCAR street rally, so just public service announcement there. <laughs> <laughs> but how do we get there? Well, we can use the power that we already have, the muscles in our two legs, and we can walk it. Google Maps says if you do it that way, you'll get there in nine hours. Nine hours from here to Grant Park. Okay. But let's say that somebody gives each of us a really nice bike. Now, in addition to our own power, we have the power of the bike gears. See, when you and I push down on the pedal, that large sprocket, the pedal transfers back to the back sprocket, which is smaller. So every one push here equals like about four pushes back there. So now the force of your power is multiplied. And now you have a power to do things you could not do before you had the bike. So now instead of nine hours to get to Grant Park, you can get there in two hours and 40 minutes. You're still, we're still using our power, the muscles in our legs, but we're adding a power we didn't have before, the bike gears. It is amazing what happens, friends, in your life and my life when we add to our daily living and the things we're doing, we lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. We might be given the power to prophesy. That's what Joel says in the passage you just heard, to dream dreams. Some of you have had dreams with a true meaning from the Lord. Uh, a word of knowledge where you know something you could not have known. I recently read a blog post from Heather Burke Cody, and here, here's what she's happened to her. She says, I was thrift shopping for dorm stuff. The cashier appeared to be one of the most unhappy, maddest people ever. I was six people deep in the line, and she got more and more exasperated with each passing customer. She was especially incensed when one of my items needed a price check. But as she rang up my items, I felt a soul nudge. So when she handed me my, my receipt, I slipped her some cash. And she was caught really off guard. So she... She was still holding on to the cash. She pulled down her mask, this was during COVID, and said, why? And Heather said, soul nudge. And here's what she said. She grabs her hand and said, today's my 75th birthday, and ain't nobody called me, not my sister, none of my kids, none of these people here, nobody, nothing. I don't think I can remember ever being so sad and ain't nobody even remembers it's my birthday. Now, I see the Holy Spirit's power at work in three ways here. One is, God gives Heather a compassion she would not have on her own. Let's be real. On our own, we get cranky, clerk, and what do we all do? We kind of roll our eyes, and we think, I can't wait to get out of this store. Right. But she had a compassion. Then the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gave her the freedom to give. We all have needs. We all need money. And yet she had the freedom in that moment to do it. And then the Holy Spirit gave Heather a knowledge she could never have had. Today was this woman's birthday. 
It's astonishing what happens when God's power works with our power. And so to collaborate with God, we kind of need to sometimes take a risk and just get on the bike. So here's my question. Are you and I willing to do that? For real. I tried to picture myself in that line in the thrift store. And suppose I got a nudge that I thought might be from the Holy Spirit. You've got to help this woman, you know, give her, give her a little money. Would I refuse, thinking, probably rightly, offering unasked for cash could be an insult, right? I'm sure it violates all when helping hurts rules, right? Or would I say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you seem to be leading me here. There's something going on. Would I take the risk? Would I get on the bike? Now, nudges from the Holy Spirit are not necessarily all dramatic as that. They're often what I call naturally supernatural. So I tried to pick one from my recent week that I would put in that category, just naturally supernatural. A friend texted me because his, his mom had passed away. And I, I knew his mom a little bit. And he asked for prayer, for grace, to handle some family dynamics coming into her service, to have the grace to speak well at the service, to finish up some uh, of her financial arrangements and that. And... <coughs> Also, he, he was weighed down by a couple big projects at work. So he, had, he texted me to say, would you pray? So I texted him right back and said, I will join you in prayer for those things. And I was sincere, but I was about to move on with my day when I just felt like the Lord said, hold up, just slow down a little bit. So I was like, well, Lord, how do you, how do you want me to pray? What, 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 is, what are you doing? And so I ended up sending him this text after a little while. I said, you have carried much for both of your parents. You need rest. And I hope you have the sense of well done, good and faithful son. You have cared well for and honored your father and your mother. He texted me right back. He's like, wow, thanks for this. The Lord just spoke through you. I'm telling you, friends, when we take those moments to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in this situation, when we, when we get on the bike and when we take a little risk, suddenly we find things happening that were like, that surprise us. Now, I knew he needed prayer. I didn't know he needed that word. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be able to do things you could not do. Now, one of the best ways to kind of get on the bike is to identify your God-given gifts. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit gives each one of us gifts, one or more gifts, to, to honor God and bless other people. And if you're not sure what yours are, reach out to Mother Karen. She loves helping you figure it out. And not all those gifts come away in a dramatic way, but here's what happens. When you practice your God-given gift and you, you're not doing it out of ego, but out of love for God and what he wants to do in, in, and for people and what he wants to do in this situation, all of a sudden, I'm telling you, life flows out from you. And you can't even, you're not even always aware of it. You can't explain it, but other people 
can sense it. Those who are spiritually attuned will definitely sense it. Some of you have the power of administration, making things work well. Others have the ministry of apostleship. I would put Bishop Todd in that category. That's where you start things and then you raise up leaders to take them on. Some of you have craftsmanship. Did you know that's a a spiritual gift in the Bible? Communication, discernment, encouragement. I'm just in the ease. So there's so many ways the Holy Spirit works through us. Are you willing to accept that gift and use it to God's glory? Let's not forget the fruit of the Holy Spirit, those qualities that, that the Holy Spirit grows in you like an apple growing on a tree in an orchard. Like, for example, one of those is, is love. Some of you have suffered unspeakable things from other people. And the natural thing for every human being to do is to hate. But instead, you have collaborated with the Holy Spirit's power, and now you are able to do something that you could not do on your own and that is rare and most people cannot do, which is to reject the way of hate, to choose to forgive despite your pain and what's been wrongly done to you, to choose the way of love. That is a miracle. You can't do it but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to get on the bike, to risk and learn and grow? If you do, I'm telling you what you're going to experience is what Michael Card puts in one of his songs. I love this line. There is a wonder and wildness to life and freedom for those who obey. Well, second, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Now, when you and I hear the word witness, we either think evangelism or we think courtroom, and we probably don't like either one. Okay. We think witnessing, many, do, many believers feel witnessing, that's for missionaries or for Christians who have that gift. I don't have it, not it. Okay. But Jesus clearly says this to all of his followers. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. So here's my pastoral suggestion of how you can enter into this passage even if you feel like witness is not your natural MO. Underline the word my. You will be my witness, my witnesses. You'll represent me, Jesus is saying. Wherever you go, you're going on behalf of me. How you treat people reflects on me. What you say reflects on me. You're going to represent me. You're going to be like my ambassador. What you say goes for the home country. And through the Holy Spirit, you have a new power to do that well. Now, this is very freeing, and I'll tell you why. Henry Nouwen uh, talks about this. He says, the normal way that we go about our lives is Prove you're worth something. Prove you have any contribution to make. Do something relevant. Be sure you make a name for yourself. Don't we all feel that? I'm 63. I've been following the Lord for a long time. And so I don't get tripped up with this as much as I used to, thank the Lord. But I still noticed in myself when the bishop visited last weekend, there was a bit of a toddler in me jumping up and down and going, notice me, affirm me, right? That's, that's not a free place to be. 
that's not a good place to be. Jesus says, what if you entered the situation not worrying about making a name for yourself or being noticed yourself, but representing me? Well, that changes it. All of a sudden, I'm in the conversation with the bishop thinking, wow, he's, he's tired. He's traveled eight weeks in a row. How can our church be a blessing to him? How can we continue to pray for him? You know, It's just a different thing. And now one says to do that, to be my witnesses, we have to listen to the voice that calls us the beloved because otherwise we run around begging for affirmation, for praise, for success, and then we're not free. Now, what does representing Jesus look like? Uh, it, it'll look a thousand different ways depending on your life and who you are and your gifts and your context. I'm just going to give you two examples. Uh, Karen and I drove over to Home Depot last week making the mistake of trying to get flowers at Home Depot last week. <laughs> and the parking lot was crazy jammed. Of course, you've lost a lot of the spaces with mulch and stuff. And so one, one guy, a guy in a, in a black truck, was backing out like this right as another guy was pulling in quickly to try to get that space next to him before somebody else took it. So this guy had already started backing out, so he didn't see this guy, but they came like this close. Uh, they almost hit each other. Well, the, the guy who had been pulling in, as far as I could tell, they, they, neither one was necessarily at fault, but they were both a part of the deal. Okay. So the guy who was pulling in jumps out of his car and starts yelling at the other driver. Who, who happens to be black. And then he starts following him with parking lot rage across the parking lot as this poor guy's trying to get into the store and yelling at him, you're the most terrible driver ever, watch what you're doing, don't you, can't you learn how to drive and all this stuff. And let me pause right there. Some of you will remember a story I told in a sermon a couple years ago where I was in a shoe repair shop here in Wheaton and the person behind the counter told the black customer in front of me, you have to put down a deposit on these shoes, even though I, having been there before, know most customers are not being asked to do that. He balked because he also knew most customers are not being asked to do that, and the owner started berating him until he walked out of the store. And I told you, to my shame, I did not stand up for that man. I didn't get involved. Well, I'm telling you, right at this moment at Home Depot last week, the Holy Spirit just goes, bing, and I go, oh, God, you're giving me another shot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I went out, and I said, sir, quiet down. Just go in the store, and he just started yelling louder. I said, no, sir, you quiet down. You go on with your day. And, and the black motorist looked at me with eyes of just, like, oh, gratitude and relief. And I was like, I'm so sorry, dude. We're going on Jesus's business. We're representing him. We cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit within us. But with the Holy Spirit's power, we can do it. All right, one more story and I'll close with this. When Karen's grandpa was dying from emphysema, he was out in Maryland and uh, her mom called and said, you know, he's only got a few days left. So Karen woke up that night 
in the middle of the night and was like, um, I, I feel like I should write him a letter. That was what she sensed the Lord was asking her to do, was write, a, write him a letter. And then she started talking back to the Lord. Have you ever done this? And she said, well, Lord, there's, he's going to die any moment. Like, a letter from here to Western Maryland is not going to get there in time. It's just not. And not only that, but I've never really shared my faith with anybody in my family other than my mom. And my grandma's going to read this letter, and she may be very insulted. So, but the Lord said, do it anyway. He's probably nicer than that. Do it anyway. So she stayed up and wrote a letter. It went like this. Grandpa, you have several times asked me why Kevin and I seem different and why we seem to love life and, and uh, get along well with other people, and I've never answered your question. But here's the answer. It's Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe in eternal life, and we try to serve others in his name. Well, uh, it got there. The letter got there. She mailed it in the morning. It got there the next day, which is something of a postal service miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the power of God. So she called my mom who lives in town and who's a believer and said, would you just go up and ask him if he got the letter, was it read to him, all that. So she did. So she went and visited him and said, you know, Les, uh, did you get Karen's letter? And he nodded. He couldn't talk very well at that point, but he nodded. And she said, did somebody read it to you? And he nodded, and uh, he said, she said, would you like to believe like, like they do? And he nodded. So she prayed for him, and when she said amen, he squeezed her hand, and he died the next day. Jesus says to every single person who follows him, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power. You will have the ability to do things you could not do without that power. And you will represent me everywhere you go. All we gotta do is get on the bike. Amen.